0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taiwan Talk, a show where we explore news and topics from here in Taiwan. I'm today's host, Trevor Tortomasi, and for this episode, I spoke with Cindy Yang, who is also an interviewer and podcast host.
1: Hi, I'm Cindy Yang. I'm the host and creator of the podcast Taiwan Yuan, where I interview different Taiwanese innovators, makers, and advocates and promote their stories and how they impact Taiwan.
0: Cindy's podcast, Taiwan Run has leapt into the spotlight in Taiwan in just under the course of a year, and I was excited to learn from her wisdom in searching for more meaning in the Taiwanese experience. Cindy is currently working between Taiwan and the US, so we chatted via video call. That also means that because of time zones, I had to wake up at 6am, but it was worth it. To start off, I asked Cindy about her show, Taiwan Run and how it came to be. The earliest episode of your podcast was posted in October of 2020, which seems to suggest that your podcast was forged in the fires of the pandemic. Uh, I'm so glad you started it. But more importantly, what inspired you to start it?
1: There are a few reasons why I chose to start it during COVID in Toronto, Ontario. So the first was sort of for myself. I was going through a depression at the time called community loneliness, Um, being a super extrovert kind of lost, you know, the sense of social belonging very quickly. And I also at the time saw all of these world events happening. So the Hong Kong protests, Black Lives Matter, and I started to think, what can I do for my own community? To be honest, I never really strongly identified with the Taiwanese side of my identity. So I, I just wanted to do more and learn more about my own culture. Uh, my initial instinct was to start a blog, and I, I wrote a few articles um, where I sort of try to highlight or feature different Taiwanese initiatives or companies I thought was interesting. My friend Rachel said that um, very wisely, nobody reads anymore. And she, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's a bit harsh. <laughs> so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she pushed me to start a podcast, which I'm really glad she did. Um, so that's kind of how I got started on these sort of interviews about. Uh, Taiwanese people and what kind of initiatives are doing. So the, the second reason I started this as well is being a Taiwanese immigrant or I guess overseas Taiwanese for most of my life and being of an area where there isn't just a huge Taiwanese population, and that's Toronto, Canada, I really didn't hear much of what was going on. I didn't really know many people who were, you know, Taiwanese. So that was another reason why I wanted to look for these kinds of stories to bring more positivity and um, inspiration forward for people like me.
0: The bio on your website says you were born in Taiwan and moved to Toronto when you were younger. Yeah. Uh, what did you take with you when you first moved to Toronto?
1: It's funny you ask that because I don't remember.
0: <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I was
1: very young. But I'm going to say we, you know... Some feng Li Yeah. No, but yeah, we, we mostly just, I think brought clothes, (laughs) you know, just a few suitcases. Um, And to be honest, um, maybe like most immigrants, right. It's a new chapter. So we were mostly looking forward um, and trying to just adjust to our new life and new environment. So we didn't even look back, you know, until a few years in to that immigration experience. And I do remember um, because my grandfather passed away and it prompted a visit back to Taiwan. We were kind of in shock on how quickly things had already evolved and changed the streets. And because I, uh, I'm from Tamil and it was, you know, rapidly changing neighborhood. So I think that was maybe the first time we realized that we need to stay in touch with the homeland. And in terms of, I guess, what we brought with us um, or the constant. In my identity, it's definitely my mom's cooking. You know, people say food's the way to the soul. And I really do think that the cooking is what really, or, you know, being able to taste her food is my definition of feeling being Taiwanese for most of my childhood. We're just a family of four settling into Toronto with virtually no support. So we were sort of just uh, figuring out our way into how do we integrate. And for me, I was, you know, trying to learn English and find a community on the playground. Um, At the time, most of the Chinese immigrants were from Hong Kong and I didn't speak Cantonese. So I was kind of rejected (laughs) from my fellow Asians. And so I had to sort of find my own footing.
0: Wow. So, yeah, you didn't you, you came over to Toronto when you still couldn't speak English. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's a, that's amazing that everything has come so far. What has changed for you since you moved to Taiwan?
1: I did try to move to Taiwan earlier this year to start sort of a new chapter of my life. because I, pr- I went through some personal things. So I quit my job and part of it was because of Taiwan, but another huge part, it was just a place for me to start over. I will say it was a little naive of me. It was a lot harder to adjust than I thought. Because coming out of COVID, I was still working on my mental health as well. And going to a completely new environment, even though, you know, technically it's my home, it was difficult. So right now I'm actually trying to balance a hybrid lifestyle where I'm based out of LA, but I can still live or, you know, go to Taiwan for a couple months in the year and keep producing content on the ground with others. Maybe because of quarantine, but I did most of my first podcast episodes virtually. until last year when I you know made a trip out to Taiwan, I started doing the interviews in person and you know it's a night and day difference. We are now also um, covering video footage or we're you know trying to incorporate other elements into the story as well. So I do find that having the visual aspect, it just really helps complement the podcast, the audio.
0: Yeah, I think ideally, if you can give people a choice, then people will like to have the choice, even though it is a lot of work yeah. <laughs> yeah. to edit both video and and sound.
1: And I, I and I actually think of video in a different way, right? Where it's right. you don't have to capture the same interview, um, even. But y- you know, if we're talking about hot sauce, um, <laughs> I might use the video, right? <laughs> the video to showcase the product in a way I couldn't with the podcast Mm. so doing a a hot sauce tasting test and then seeing our actual reactions and being able to see the colors of the hot sauce um yeah that kind of stuff i love
0: (laughs) wow watch out first we feast hot ones cindy's chomping at the bit i don't know (laughs) (laughs) by the way that is one i've mentioned watching a bunch of different interview shows and listening to interviews Mm -hmm. that is one of the best ones out there
1: i'm like sean evans is my hero
0: Oh my God, Sean Evans is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's let's do a, a simple question. Uh, where do you find inspiration? Maybe for the podcast or for anything else that you're making?
1: This might sound a little weird. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh.
1: But <laughs> I try to look for people that I think are brave. And so and, and what that means is I feel like they took a risk or they took a stand or you know, they really tune into who they are. And sometimes that manifests into entrepreneurship or they wrote a book about their journey or you know, they started a movement. And I'm not saying some, you know, they all have to do something that significant, but it's just I could see their courage in, you know, standing up for some sort of value or belief. And um, I really like highlighting featuring those stories. I think the typical approach is probably trying to look at um, interviews by categories. So featuring some in tech in education and food and culture, but I sort of stopped looking at that because I'm really more interested in capturing the most moving stories that are really based on um, personal journeys that people can really relate to deep down in terms of their own Taiwanese identity, and so that's why I try to look at it more on a person by person, person by person basis.
0: It does really seem to be about the journey and the story, yeah, as much as. Sometimes you can get the most fascinating person to sit down with you in a room and two microphones. If it doesn't somehow have the arc of like a narrative, Mm -hmm. then people are much less likely to get drawn in. But I've found so many times too, that when people talk like naturally and you look back at the footage or you look back at the recording, you find that narrative in there.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, How has the pandemic affected which topics inspire you to create?
1: For the most part, it didn't in that I already had a list of my heroes. <laughs> so pandemic or not, I was gonna try to you know, go after them. But um, that being said, I think when the Taiwan lockdown happened, um, I immediately wanted to do this quarantine special episode with On The Way To Work, Tongqing Shi that's their podcast name.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: because I knew them and they were also based in Canada and went through quarantine like me a year ago. So you know, immediately I thought, we finally have some sort of experience or tips to share with a local Taiwanese audience. Um, But in terms of, I guess, the larger uh, pandemic impact on our mental health, that's something that I've been wanting to do more, raising awareness for mental health in the Asian community. I have gone into this topic a few times um, in Taiwan, and I think that people are just sort of recognizing this now as a topic of importance and the field seems to be new in terms of the support around it so you know in the US app store there are already many many apps therapy apps and i don't know how many of those exist in taiwan but i think that the newer generation of local taiwanese they're they're opening up to this concept and they're taking better care of themselves and they're just more aware in general
0: Working on your mental health, what do you think has helped you along this path?
1: So much. (laughs) (laughs)
0: much.
1: Um, I really didn't take care of myself in that way until last year. And then it all came to a head. And that's where, you know, eventually led me to wanting to start a new chapter. But I think the two biggest takeaways, the first one, I was naive to actually think that by moving to Taiwan, I healed myself not true. (laughs) So, um, you know, I still have ups and downs, I still get panic attacks. It's a muscle you um, build, and then you continue to heal time and time again, through your life, as other things will break you down. But you know, you're better able to deal with situations as you grow that muscle. And the second takeaway, I think is just by talking about it, it improves your mental health. Because I think a lot of Asian-Americans tend to suppress their feelings. At least that's kind of how I grew up in my household. You know, it's to use logic over emotion or if it's not a big deal, don't make it a big deal. These are sort of the things taught to me. So I end up suppressing a lot of smaller emotions, everyday emotions, but I realize it's better to just feel and to talk about it openly because it's normal. And that's a part of normalizing it as well.
0: Do you feel like you're kind of coming out of that shell? Do you think it's a long process or do you think you've you've made some huge leaps already?
1: Well, I mean, when I first realized I was depressed last year, I started telling people at work and I was surprised to learn that everybody else at work was also depressed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but nobody Is that them. a millennial thing or okay?
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, if you just look at Instagram or whatnot, you would think everyone was still having... A blast, and so I think that was the first realization of, oh, okay, you're not alone in this experience. And then you asked if I got good at talking about my emotions, not really, but I mean, maybe that's not the point, point. that's okay.
0: Um, has interviewing people helped with that?
1: Interviewing people has sort of opened me up to a different skill set, um, that COVID's been teaching me as well, and that is just to be okay if the outcome is not what I expect. <laughs> <laughs>
0: because you can edit it.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, because, you know, before you interview someone, you kind of picture what the conversation will be and what kind of amazing, I guess, sound bites you'll get. But sometimes they just, they don't want to share that or they want to, you know, take it in a different direction. And instead of resisting people or having my own agenda in my head, I've learned to just... Kind of go with the flow, like you said. Having a natural conversation is now more important to me than hitting certain points in the interview.
0: Which episode of your podcast Taiwan was the hardest to make?
1: The first one. It's so bad. Okay. <laughs>
0: the
1: I it, I'm so embarrassed. I mean, um, okay, first of all, I had no idea what I was doing. First time making content ever, unless you count my fan site for Ninety Degrees. When I was 12, that's like something else, but um, no, I do. I don't make content. I'm not, I'm not in entertainment. Um, The first episode was with Mandy Lee. Um, She's a home cook with a book. She's a.
0: Oh, that has such a ring to it. Home cook with a
1: book book because she's an influencer chef. And um, I think it was just the perfect storm in that Mandy had a really strong personality I had no idea what I was doing. We had a lot of technical difficulties. So I forgot to even start with an intro, first of all. And then she sort of led me through the whole conversation. And at the end of it, I realized, um, oh, I didn't ask my question.
0: <laughs> you realized she was interviewing you at the
1: end. You know, did her thing. My biggest learning was not even, okay, how do I interview better? It was being okay with. That's what I got out of it. Um, I could have asked her to re-record, I didn't. Um, I just did my best to edit that into a somewhat of a story, and I still launched it. I just decided to ship it. And the reason for that was to train myself to be okay, that there's some imperfect thing out there that I made. And because the whole podcast. Um, concept, what scared me was having something that wasn't perfect. You know, I needed to be okay with that. Um, The first product is always going to be the worst product. And there's only room to improve from there. Um, And I realized people have really short memories. So it's fine. (laughs) That's just listen to the newest ones, not the oldest ones.
0: (laughs) Right? Start from the front, go to the back. Uh, I I, uh, I, that resonates with me so much because I'm on the verge of starting a a different project as well. And trying to make the first episode perfect is so difficult. It's a, it's a losing battle if you try and fight it, just putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, people have short memories and we all think about ourselves a lot more than we think other people do. Exactly. So I've noticed that some of your earlier interviews that you mentioned are seem to be shorter and your interviews are getting longer, which is great, more content for us. But I'm wondering if it's longer conversations or you think you're getting better at bringing the gospel out of your interviewees, so to speak.
1: Um, So the length of the actual interviews never really changed. It was how much I chose to edit and show the world. Uh, So I had this hypothesis. I'm in product management. So usually just sort of um, hypothesize, what kind of users I'll get and, you know, what they want. So my hypothesis was that people were on the go and they only, they'll only want to listen to 10, 15 minute digestible episodes, but I was super wrong. (laughs) um, And I knew I was wrong because a lot of people were DMing me asking me for the full version. I was like, Oh man, I spent so many hours editing this down for you. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I realized that, Oh, the people listening are not, you know, the people on the go, they're Taiwan enthusiasts that want, you know, they, they want every detail. Um, They want to know what happened um, minute by minute. So I basically stopped editing it down (laughs) into the synopsis, if you will, and just kind of let it flow. Um, And now they are the full length.
0: When did you start noticing that your interviews were getting popular? I don't want to bring numbers in as the main observation, but I've noticed that like there's a certain number of followers on your Instagram that is noteworthy. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. when did that sort of explode for you? And this all came from the podcast, which you started a year ago.
1: First, I was surprised anybody listened.
0: <laughs> we support you. <laughs>
1: yeah, worst case scenario, you know, I just stopped doing it. So that was great in itself. And maybe around um, end of December, Christmas, um, the numbers started jumping up more and uh, people were sharing some of these stories. And, you know, that's always great motivation for me to keep going as well. Um, so kind of the holiday break was the first Time it started growing faster. I did have some people, I don't want to say recognize me, <laughs> but I, when I was in Taiwan, I met some people who actually listened to the podcast in the wild as well. And that made me really happy.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. That's amazing. And that was all in, that was all in like your first month or so back or
1: uh, in March. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's awesome.
1: I'm really not famous by any means, <laughs> but it's felt good.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, we, we don't want to get like, you know, full of ourselves. But at the same time, you've got you to gotta hold on to those moments when you find them. You know, those are those are amazing. And ta- especially talking about like mental health to get the the validation to know that you're doing something that people are enjoying. Mm-hmm. You're creating something that is making other people happier or helping them in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's not the cure for for lower mental health, then I, I don't know what is. I've definitely had a lot of anxiety in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I found, and th- again, this is just my personal journey, but I found that my cure for anxiety is I get I get anxious about things that I haven't done yet or things mm-hmm. that I know I want to do or things mm-hmm. I know I can do. Mm-hmm. And my cure has literally just been to go and do those things yeah. or at least try. And even if I fail, at least I know I tried. And then there's no more anxiety about it because I know that I, I did the thing. So, part of that was... Um, I think like starting a podcast or starting a YouTube channel and all these things that are goofy that don't need to succeed. But at the same time, if I never started one, or I never made something, then I would have kept that anxiety as a as a unused potential sort of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. And I I went on
0: a long uh, rant there, but
1: no, no worries. I I, I just want to add a little to that, which is an important part of what you just said is because you're recognizing that you're doing it for yourself. And then that's really why the I guess, external validation or perception of success doesn't really matter because you did it for yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I guess after this sort of journey of making this podcast and so many episodes and you feel like you're getting better and better or at least more efficient, um, which one would you share with everyone now if you could share only one?
1: The answer might surprise people because (laughs) they would probably...
0: Doctors hater. (laughs) 10 ways you can improve your podcasting.
1: (laughs) The episode that really stays with me, or the one that I hope people listen to, because I do think it's such a good reflection of just everything Mm -hmm. I've been doing, is probably Liu Anting's episode on Teach for Taiwan. The reason I say that is that she just tells her story so beautifully. Um, She's someone who grew up, she was born and raised in Taiwan was taught a lot of the same values we were, which is the U S is a kind of your dream place to live and having a certain type of job, you know, is a marker of success. Um, and she accomplished all these things, but at the end of the day, she sort of, um, looked back and thought of what really mattered to her. And even as someone who was born and raised in Taiwan, she struggled with her Taiwanese identity as well, especially when she was abroad leaving this homogenous sort of society. And I just think listening to that story, a lot of us will relate and it's just a great opportunity for self-reflection.
0: Yeah. Sometimes everyone has their own story and every story has value, obviously. Sometimes you have to dig to get that story, though. And that is the challenge of interviewing people and maybe creating narratives and stuff. But I will say some people have that story just like right in the barrel, ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> some people you sit down with and they're like, I've told this story a hundred times. And here you go here, the theater. <laughs> and it's just amazing. The Teach for Taiwan initiative was, was a really nice one to hear about. I had the impression that, that you were teaching as well.
1: I am in point. the I'm in the education industry, but from a tech perspective, yeah, I'm in ed tech.
0: Ed tech, okay. Can you talk a little bit about what you do outside of the podcast?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm currently unemployed. Oh, <laughs> as okay. trying figure, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out, you know, the new chapter and such. But I have worked for many years in um, kids apps specifically, so helping to build uh, as a product manager and then later in growth. I would say high quality play experiences for kids two to five. That's my main focus. And the reason I focus on early childhood education is you just get to impact a child for the the rest of their lives, you know, by putting them on a certain trajectory and exposing them to certain things early on, they're better set up for success later. So yeah, that's why I'm really into education and the tech aspect is so cool because we're in this day and age where everybody has access to a smartphone um, an internet connection and it's just a great equalizer now.
0: What kind of uh, apps and, and games for, for kids?
1: So the last company I was at is called Sego Mini and we created open ended play experiences. So think of your Fisher Price play set but digitized if you will. <laughs> uh-huh. And we also taught
0: cow go moo uh
1: no much more open-ended than that so you'll have you know a few cows or pigs and then you could do whatever cow
0: say whatever you want
1: exactly because it's really about um (laughs) yeah and the cow can eat apples or they can swim whatever the kid wants to create in their world and i really do believe that you know storytelling or also just creative thinking rather that's the kind of skill uh a modern kid needs now more than ABCs and one, two, threes.
0: Okay. Wow. That's amazing. What's next for Taiwan Ren? And, uh, what kind of stories do you want to see from, see more or hear more from Taiwan?
1: So I alluded to this, but, you know, we're adding the visual aspect right to our stories, but, um, on top of that, I, I really want to start partnering with some groups to create more mini-series so we could dive deeper on different themes or um, different geographical areas. Because I do recognize the blind spot of Taiwan. And Obviously, it's you know English only right now, so you're already filtering out a lot of stories you know, that are being told. So right now, they're English-speaking, and most of the uh, interviewees are based in Taipei or in the U.S., and so, I really do want to get more stories from Taidong to Kaohsiung and also um, explore themes like agriculture, you know, just really rich, deep cultural or historical aspects of Taiwan that um, maybe pe- people are sort of overlooking right now or um, aren't just being shared to the newer generation.
0: Do you think you'll have episodes in Chinese as well in the future?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's where I think the the video component will really help because then we can still do subtitles and it'll still be accessible to everybody.
0: Okay. Yes. That's awesome. Subtitles though. Oof. <laughs> I'm typing subtitles. Have you done subtitles before?
1: Uh, only briefly just for, you know, three minute uh, footage kind of work, but. Um, okay. Gosh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oof.
0: It's not difficult at all, but it's just so time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Bless the subtitlers. I used to have this dream of making like a bilingual podcast, but then I realized the inherent flaw there is that it just no, you have do the list it. like you you cut your audience in in into pieces. Don't do it. Um, but would you ever do like an alternate like side like side podcast where you're like, oh, I have an interview in Chinese today, I'll upload it to this one.
1: Yeah, I do think maybe a whole season that is just Mandarin.
0: So That's on the same podcast, though, you would do it in the same podcast, the same feed. Yeah. Okay, that's awesome. I'll listen to that. Mm-hmm. Now, for each interview, I normally save one question for last. I ask if there's anything my guest would like to say to the people of Taiwan. But I feel like the Taiwan Run podcast has already done that so well. So when I realized Cindy also had a question she saved for each of her interviews, I decided to ask her that question instead. The question was, is there a Taiwanese spirit?
1: Um, yeah, so this might be a corny question that I was just asking earlier in my interviews, but that was sort of my theory or thesis, if you will, which, uh, you know, behind the whole podcast, which was just to find, I wanted to find the Taiwanese spirit through the people I was interviewing, because I, you know, only knew my family members for the most part. And I could feel that being Taiwanese was different, but I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And also just my family wasn't a great sample size. So, you know, talking to more other people who've had different life experiences, just trying to get their point of view is so helpful, um, except it was a terrible question to ask <laughs> because it's too abstract. When I ask that question, just silence, <laughs> people are stumped. And um, yeah, I think that is just, uh, it definitely exists but it needs to be brought out in a different way. So I did start asking, how has your relationship with Taiwan evolved? Or, you know, why would anyone start a business in Taiwan? And it's really in those sort of questions that um, the same answer does come out. Turns out, I do think there is a Taiwanese spirit. They have these same traits. And one is everybody talks about the compassion and warmth that Taiwanese people have. So, you know, and, and I felt that personally, you know, doing the podcast where I didn't know anybody, but people would keep referring me to others and help me out. Or I have volunteer videographers helping me film footage or, you know, people DMing me, um, just support in general. Um, so I feel that myself as I became more entrenched into this community. And the second is what I think I talked about earlier, the perseverance aspect of Taiwan. It's not really by choice, right? (laughs) um, It's kind of a a crucible moment, if you will, where Taiwan continues to have to fight for different things. Its future is very up in the air, but then to live um, in Taiwan, to thrive in Taiwan, you do need to have a really strong mindset of persevering through anything. And the last piece that this one, Jamie Lin told me, and I wholeheartedly agree with him, which is sort of, he was highlighting what he felt the difference was between living in Taipei versus Shanghai. And he said that Taipei just has a soul to it. It's just people have a zest for life beyond just trying to get rich and just make a lot of money. And I, I believe that as well, where I think the culture is more well-rounded and it is more about balance rather than um, having a singular goal, and I think all of those things combined—that's kind of the Taiwanese spirit.
0: Wow, you answered the heck out Sorry, of that question! I mean, I- <laughs> <laughs> no, and you also schooled me in how to ask it too. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad that no, we could we could take from your experiences of asking that question and finally bring out in, and, and articulate what the Taiwanese spirit is. Yeah. Um, obviously everyone has to define that for themselves in Taiwan, mm-hmm. but um, at the same time, I think that's, that's really valuable. Taiwan does feel really well-rounded. Everything you seem, you seem well, that's good. That's good to see. I'm sorry to hear about the trials and tribulations you've been through, but um, okay. it seems like you've turned out pretty well. I mean, so
1: maybe I should have mentioned it. I mean, we are still recording if you want to add it, but I really do think the podcast saved me in so many ways because I found a community that um, really took me in during that time, and it's actually a great way to make friends. <laughs> because, well, I was selecting my friends, I guess. <laughs> but <it> really-
0: <laughs> do you want to talk <laughs> for an hour, then be friends forever? <laughs> <All
1: right>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it works. Um, no, but also it's like you know finding people who are passionate about the same things as you. So. And that's not just broadly to say we're all passionate about Taiwan, but also, you know, certain topics. And then they then introduce you to um, whole new communities of people doing really cool things. So I would say maybe about 20, 25 percent of the people I interviewed, I've, I've been very lucky to have formed real friendships with. And that's been the, the most surprising um, reward for me.
0: Thank you very much for joining me today, Cindy. Of
1: course, anytime, Trevor. That was fun.
0: Thank you. Did you have fun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, as much fun as can be had at like seven in the morning. I
1: <laughs> know, I'm sorry. It's okay. That's, like how, that's how time work.
0: <laughs> Once again, 10,000 thanks to Cindy for being so open about everything. You can find her podcast, Taiwan Ren, spelled Taiwan R-E-N, through your podcasting app. And you can follow her podcast on Instagram at taiwanren.co for more guest photos, info, and quotes. I'm going to call that a podcast for today. Thank you all for listening. Join my co-host, Ryan Drilsma, in next week's episode. And stay safe out there, everybody. Until next time, I'm Trevor Tordomasi on ICRT FM 100.